0: Good going, everyone. Today's talk is with Professor Led Riley, a 10th degree black belt in Danzan Ru Jiu Jitsu. This is an incredible conversation about a martial art that has been proven to be very beneficial in the security bodyguard um, kind of world. So we are fortunate to have a great talk with Professor Led Riley. Good, Good morning, everyone. Today's special guest is Professor Led Riley a 10th degree black belt in Zed Raiu Jiu Jitsu and uh it's an honor to speak with you today sir. Thank you. How is the corona kind of affecting your kind of livelihood right now with teaching?
1: Well uh the the dojo is pretty much you know we're we're actively doing things outdoors out in the parking lot and uh trying to make the best of a, a bad situation. Uh but we're carrying on a little bit. Now we're we're doing some uh online uh, classes and things so uh, and and I'm digging up some old old videos and recordings and things uh, that we did over the years to send out to the students to keep them motivated
0: yeah I think it's a poor just kind of stay creative um, especially because right now the unknown is so crazy it is kind of cool to see you still doing what you do best which is teach
1: yeah <clears throat> I enjoy it very much
0: so how did you get started in the career path you are, what part of your childhood uh, kind of led you to where you are?
1: Well, when I was uh, about seven or eight years old, (coughs) I had uh, one of my uncles um, lived over in Japan for many years, studied Shotokan and uh, transitioned. He was in the military over there and he transitioned back to the United States and lived in our basement for a short period of time. And uh, being a curious young kid i heard this crazy sound uh down in the basement and i and i was you know go to the top of the stairs and and kind of peek around the corner and he was practicing his uh karate and and i just was fascinated and finally he noticed me and he asked me come down and and we uh we started the training right then and there and he started uh, teaching me proper punching and uh, yeah that that's kind of where it got started um and I've been with uh, my instructor, Mike Chubb, for almost 45 years now, uh, doing and teaching jujitsu. I've also studied with Fumio Dumura in karate, uh, John Ogden in judo. Um, so I've, I've been a competitor for many, many years. I really enjoy, you know, the competitive world. Uh, but now, you know, I mean, age takes its toll and, and you move on. And so I, I feel like my... PATH now is teaching other people to compete. And we uh, I've had classes um, teaching bodyguards, teaching personal security people over the years, uh, police departments, de-escalation techniques, and, and advanced baton, uh, which really caught their, their trigger because they thought, oh, well, you know, I'm pretty advanced at using this baton. And I said, well, what do you do if somebody takes it away and starts to use it on you? And that's where we <laughs> kind of began our training
0: fascinating and so when you obviously your professor Mike Chubb it's very fascinating that you're still learning at your age after all the experience you have the fact that you're able to still learn says volumes about you and obviously the craft you guys are part of.
1: I think you you never stop being a student And I think that's what's the most important uh, when I work with my teacher sometimes I feel like I'm starting all over again as a white belt because he shows me stuff that he's that I've never seen before, still after 45 years. And I think, you know, he he kind of sarcastically says, uh, I taught you everything, you know, but not everything I know, (laughs) which I appreciate. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always wonderful to learn new things, no matter what level you're at in martial arts or anything else. You never stop being a student, you never stop learning. And that, I think, is motivation to keep anybody on
0: track. What's the toughest part of teaching for you? Is there is, is it tough to motivate individuals or is it you kind of just like you, you see potential and people don't realize that? I, I, I have
1: yet to find somebody that I can't teach, um, but it is a mindset. And, and I have people that come in and I don't think they have the, uh, they're just kind of trying it out, just kind of, you know, getting their feet wet and seeing what it's all about. I'm, I'm, Usually when I'm looking for students, I'm looking for students that are gonna stick around long enough to get something out of it. Uh, students that are, that are motivated to learn and understand. And it's not all about fighting and hurting people. It's, it's more about controlling and, and, and we don't participate in a fight, we stop the fight. That's a big important thing. Uh, people think that they wanna learn martial arts to hurt somebody and I said, it's just the opposite. Right. The more you learn, the less you have to use. You become so efficient and effective that you don't have to grapple on the ground and, and trade punches and stuff. You just you end it right away um, by doing some sort of a, a control hold, put them in a little compliance pain, and have a discussion. And I find that most people, and I've I've been attacked, I've been in combat, I've I've had a lot of situations where. My motive my my whole thing is to find out what motivates this person what, if they're in a desperate situation to get it's so extreme to pull a gun or a knife or come at me physically trying to hurt me what's going through their mind and so I have had the opportunity to take somebody down put them in a control hold and and talk to him and say what got you here man um, you know I, I've I, I have found that it's mostly desperation. And, you know, if, if, if somebody's after money or whatever, I just say, hey, just ask. I'll, I'll help you. Right. But, you know, to get to this extreme, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to end up in a place you don't want to be, right. whether it's hurt or whether it's in jail or, you know, all, all kinds of things.
0: And you kind of just said it best. A lot of times, and I'm still active in the security field. A lot, you'll have people where I'll come across individuals who are like, "Well, I'm a, I'm a boxer. I'm a, I could 20 degree black belt. I can kick ass." Well, it's like, man or girl, you, the best security people are the ones that articulate. They can think. They're not throwing the first punch. And it's, I love that you stress the fact of, hey, the, the you don't. This isn't a fight. Like you could. Deescalate escalate without even throwing a lift of a finger. and I, I love that part of the training.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's important to understand um, you know when when somebody's got that fire in their belly. You know, they they're just a, a, a you know, a natural born, you know, when something happens, they don't run away. They they're they're there. They're you know, they do everything they can even if they don't have skills. They do everything they can to try, to, you know, I'm there, they're that's the mentality that I think it has to be there to really find somebody that's a really good martial artist and train them. And, and, you know, I think it would carry over into bodyguards and everything else, uh, security work. I, I think it, without that fire you have really, you know, it's just right. book learning. Uh, you know, I, I, tell my students I can train a monkey or I can train a robot to do techniques but to think for yourself in a combative situation where you don't have time, you got to make the right decision, and you got to got to check with yourself, you know, all the time, uh, that am I doing the right thing right now? If a cop was watching or I'm being videoed, would I be scrutinized? And right. You got you to keep that in mind all the time.
0: Yeah, especially now with the police state. Obviously, with everything going on, the political and just whatever, it, it does kind of. I do sympathize with law enforcement because, yes, you can be properly trained, but you still all act like everyone's always watching you, and so there is kind of that mental hurdle that I think some officers aren't able to kind of. That's where you get the kind of tricky situations. But no, you're you're one hundred percent right. It so. In the, when you were in the Navy, were you able to kind of uh, keep going with your training and fighting at all, or, or was it Oh, yeah. Most? Okay. Yeah,
1: had had a, quite a few um, training partners and, and people in there that were really good. Uh, we had a Marine detachment on, on a few of the ships that I was on, uh, and, and we mixed it up pretty good. Um, so there was always physical activity and, and things to do, even if you were, you know, uh, I, I spent... Uh, Quite a few years in the Navy and and uh, had a lot of good stories and things and in uh, combat veteran uh, spent uh, a couple tours uh, Westpac tours over in Vietnam so uh, wow. yeah
0: as you you right now you currently attempt to read be black belt the dancer the ride Jiu Jitsu how long did it take you to get to that level
1: well, you know, it's funny you should ask that. I was just discussing this with one of my students that's that's a little over eager the other day. Um, getting your black belt is like getting your white belt again. All a black belt means that is that is that you've learned enough of the basics to put it together in a real situation. When you get your black belt, that's when you start really hands on using these techniques without really a thought process of, Oh, what do I do if he throws a right punch? Or what do I do with this? It clicks in as an automatic response rather than a thought process. And, and you just start from there and you just go down, you know, and, and take care of business. Um, it, it's, it's you know, that I mean, that's pretty much, you know, the way I teach on a regular basis.
0: How long has Danzen Raiji Jiu-Jitsu been around? Who who started it?
1: Danzen Ru Jiu-Jitsu started – uh, early, early uh, 1930s, uh, late 1920s, uh, by Professor um, Okasaki over in Hawaii. Uh, he he uh, transferred, he, he came from Japan uh, to Hawaii um, and started teaching. And in, in, in the record books, he is one of the first uh, instructors to ever start teaching outside of the Japanese race. When he came to Hawaii, it was just before the war, and he started teaching because he was real close to the the Navy base there. He started teaching American American, uh, sailors. Uh, He had a whole group of them came, and when they uh, trained and got their black belt and moved on, some of them came back to the United States and started teaching Don Zanru in the United States. But even to this day, uh, all the techniques, see, we have – uh, all the Don's Ru techniques that we, we train in and for posterity and historical uh, situations, we, we teach the techniques exactly the way they were taught by the professor back in the 1930s. However, uh, we teach people to think for themselves. You take that technique, you might be a big guy, heavy, strong, or you might be a small framed person, that's not as strong, or you might be a, a little bit older, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different com- combinations. So you take the root principle or the art, uh, the, the concept of the art and transform it into your own variation, what works for you. Uh, my teacher's 6'3", I'm 5'10". Uh, what works for him a lot of times doesn't necessarily work as well for me. So he taught me to think for myself, uh, take those tra- take those uh, uh, techniques and arts that we've learned and adapt them to what works for you. And I take that a little bit farther. And I, you know, when we when we teach uh, security people, bodyguards especially, they don't have time to to play with techniques. They just want to know what works fast. I want to be able to blink my eyes and it's over, and I'm looking at them in the rearview mirror. Right. Uh, they don't want to sit there and draw a lot of attention. So. You know, that's, that's where I've kind of transitioned a lot of the techniques. I, I still teach the Ru exactly the way uh, Professor Ogasaki taught it. Um, but I, I've adapted and learned a lot of new things. And, uh, you know, sometimes it comes from students. Students come in and say, hey, what if we change this part? Or what if we did this part? It makes it more efficient. They were right. We've changed it. We've made it. We've adapted. We keep, continue to adapt. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I, I learn all the time from everybody. I, I watch things uh, and, and I say, hmm, I just saw this little thing here. I wonder if I could transition that into one of my techniques that I teach the, the students to make them better. And that's that's been uh, pretty, pretty successful for me.
0: Do you watch UFC or anything like that or do you just kind of focus on your students?
1: Yeah, I I do. And some of those guys are really great. Some of them have a lot of great technique, uh, but some of them are just brawlers. and I respect that. Totally. (laughs) Uh, You know, you could take some. I I, I swear I've I've seen people that have not had an ounce of training and they just maul you to death. Right. Uh, But but the ones uh, you know, and it kind of reminds me of the gladiators back in the Roman days. Um, You know, it's it's turned into more of a spectator. Uh, thing. And hopefully, uh, along the lines, I you, know, you don't know these people until you know them personally, but I hope the the uh, honor and respect and dedication for the art itself is not overlooked. Uh, when people just learn the art just to brutalize somebody, it kind of loses the, the concept of, of what martial arts is all about, at least to me.
0: Right. Have any of your students you've taught gone on to do stuff at the Olympics or professional or... Anything like that?
1: Well, I guess Chris has.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I was going to bring it up. And uh, he actually, we talked right before this because he's kind of excited. And it's one of those things where when I first met my CEO, Chris, he was like, you got—you got to hear about this martial art. Or like Dan said, right. He goes, it's very, it's practical. It works. And so he's been doing it for 20-something years now. And, I mean, he's probably, he is the one of the top, if not the top, music industry bodyguard. And he says everything you've taught him is something where it's, it's lessons of life training that you could actually just utilize. And he's, it's just, it's just great. I love, I'm so happy that I'm talking with you.
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, when, when you train and you teach and you do this stuff, you can only get to a certain level. And unfortunately you have to really have had some experience in, brutal hand-to-hand, you know, some sort of an attack that happens and unplanned uh, to, to learn and to, to understand what a fight's all about. Um, you, you can't just get out there and say, oh, I've, you know, studied 20 years in uh, some sort of karate and, you know, I can take care of myself. Right. But until that first punch is thrown, you can't really understand what a
0: real fight is all about. Right. Your seven-time goal medalist is jiu-jitsu kata. I understand the jujitsu part, but what is the kata part?
1: Well, there's uh, throws, hand techniques, uh, uh, pinning techniques, uh, and then there's a variety of what what we call um, uh, combative um, choreography. So in a a typical kata contest, they'll lay out, uh, say, eight arts uh, that you have to do, uh, and you're scored from 0 to 10. Um, and and uh, to get a really good score, you have to put a little personal twist in there, something above and beyond the ordinary. So you do the techniques, and then when you get to the combat scene, which is the choreography part of it, um, you have to have used you have to use some of the arts that you've already displayed uh, into a, a kind of a mock-up fight where somebody attacks and you defend, and it goes back and forth and back and forth. And it's it's worth uh, two points at the end. Uh, and the combat scene, it's it's more trying to see something that's realistic, rather than just you know going through the numbers of the techniques. Uh, so kata contest, um, it, it's a very important part of what we what we do in Unruh. Um And we also do judo competition, uh, which is part of our history. Uh, and I find that a lot of people nowadays, especially, uh, you can't find very many people that have haven't had some sort of training in their life. Um, so you know, it, it, you know, karate. Uh, everybody has had striking techniques, punching techniques, and I think that fits in good because in order to be a good um, kata fighter or or fighter in general. Um, You have to have somebody that really is throwing the right kind of punch and the right kind of kick, not just faking, you know, pulling punches and stuff like that. It really has to come at you and then you can uh, really deal with it because in jujitsu, you have to have momentum. Uh, If that momentum is not there, if the guy throws a punch and stops, you don't have the momentum because he's pulled it back and then you have to change the technique. So we try to do it as realistic as possible, and that's what really thrills me is, is, you know, to watch these contests and be a judge nowadays, watch these guys really, I mean, you th- you'd think they were really fighting. It's, it's that realistic looking, and that's what we're after is to put it together to the point where, you know, everybody's wowed.
0: Right. What is the biggest difference between judo and dance out group? Between what? what? the Between Judo and dance, What's the biggest oh. difference? Um,
1: Jiu-Jitsu, it, it, it's, it's considered a killing art. In order for us to take it and put it into a comp, uh, competitive situation, we have to modify some of the techniques. Where Judo was taken from ju- Jiu-Jitsu originally uh, to make it into a sport. Uh, a sport where you could do the throws, you could do the pins, and not that it's not as deadly as everything, uh, everything else, uh, but it's more of a, a a sport that you that you can uh, get out there and train and and do your best and you know just see how strong, you test your your skills against somebody else without really getting you know
0: hurt or killed. <laughs> right. You've taught at the black belt karate dojo. That was owned by Chuck Norris. Yes. Any kind of stories dealing with Chuck? I mean, obviously, he owned a bunch of studios at the time. But how did you kind of get into land your feet there?
1: Well, um, we—I was um, teaching. Well, I was teaching my own class at the Downey YMCA, uh, and my teacher was teaching at uh, Golden West College in, in Orange County. Uh, we closed. They closed that class at the college, and we were offered. One of the students uh, was Brad Campbell, and he was Chuck Norris's cousin, and he was opening a studio and said, "Hey, you know, come on down to my place, and we'll we'll uh, you know have you guys teach the jiu-jitsu part, and we'll teach the karate part." Uh, and so when we were there, we'd see Chuck Norris. He came in a few times, and. Very nice guy, very quiet, mild-mannered, uh, came in, was very cordial to everybody, uh, and he took a, took a shining to jiu-jitsu, and, and we taught him a few things, and uh, I think he got up to a brown belt level in jiu-jitsu, uh, and then he moved on. I think when he moved to Texas, he started uh, the, the uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu style, which is, you know, it's great to see that he continued on with training. Um, so. There,
0: There's all these Brazilian jiu-jitsu your jujitsu. So I, I get that the jujitsu is like the kind of the base. So how many different types of jujitsu are there where different people kind of put their uh, touch on it?
1: Well, um, everybody's got a different twist on that. I was around before the um, Gracie's came right. here to the United States. Um and and uh it was it was kind of a, a shock the way they came onto to the scene, challenging people and things like that. But over the years they've they've kind of uh mellowed a little bit and uh, they've learned to round out their system. Uh, they were taught uh, uh, jiu Jitsu originally back in I think it was the early fifties um, when one of the Japanese professors traveled to uh, Brazil. Uh, and at that time, they weren't allowed to teach outside of the Japanese race, but they could go put on demonstrations and teach parts of the art. And he went out and taught uh, what what we call shimei, or the ground fighting techniques, uh, and taught that and the Brazilians grabbed on, onto it and made their whole fight um, careers out of the, the grappling part of it, which is, which is fascinating to me. Uh, but then when they came to the United States, I think they, uh, they started understanding that, you know, challenging people isn't really the best way to to learn uh, or to get to know all these other systems of fighting. Uh, I think, um, Once they got here, they they kind of started looking around. And and now I I work with these guys once in a while. They'll come in and they'll say, uh, you know, we we need to get better at taking people down from a standing position. Um, And and so I work with them and and it's, you know, they they uh, have progressed on to understanding a lot more of the arts, uh, not just the grappling part of it. They do standing techniques now. They do uh, uh, constriction techniques on, on arms and wrists and different things from standing positions. They don't need to take them to the ground anymore. So I think they've evolved quite a bit, as, as all martial arts have.
0: Right. It, along those lines, obviously back a little bit with Chuck, it's cool to see people at that level not have an ego or a chip on the shoulder, but I mm-hmm. do think a lot of times when you see people fail, they do have that kind of ego or that kind of "I'm uh, better-than-you kind of attitude. Yeah. And so how, as a teacher, are you able to teach around that, kind of, quote-unquote, beat that attitude out of someone, or do you have to look at them and be like, hey, you got to help yourself?
1: Well, when I was in judo, I, I think I learned a big lesson. I, I went out there, and I did my best, and sometimes I would just get creamed. And my teacher would turn around to me and he'd say, now you're learning. And I said, I I already know how to get my butt kicked. How am I learning? (laughs) And he said, in order to learn, you have to lose once in a while and then figure out what went wrong. And then you can get back on track. And then that person that beat you last time, you figure out that's his favorite technique. Next time I go against him, he's not going to get away with that technique anymore. So that's kind of what I grasped. And and, uh, it worked for me. Uh, and, and that's pretty much the way I like to teach also.
0: As you're going through so like do these national championships and winning, did you ever have a rival that you always see every now and then? Or was there always this kind of shake your hands and, well, I'll see you next time if I see you?
1: Well, that's the wonderful thing about Donzonaru Jiu Jitsu. We are all like brothers. Awesome. Uh, we'll compete against each other and just do the best we can and walk away and hug and shake hands. And and you know, we've we've always maintained that in Donzonaru Jujitsu. And and I love that about it. It's it's not like, you know, I I hate this person. I'm gonna hurt him real bad or anything like that. No, we're we're testing our skills. We're learning from each other. And I think that's how we've progressed over the years, learning from each other. Uh, and you can't do that if you have animosity towards another person.
0: Right. What caused you to move? Because now you're up in the northwest Washington area, correct? And, yeah. Oh, so yeah. why did you move up there as opposed to stay in California?
1: Well, um, I was in water conservation down in Southern California oh. about six years ago. And you could imagine how the uh, water shortage was starting to look pretty bleak down there. And uh, out of the blue, I got a call from somebody uh, offering me a job up in the Pacific Northwest. And and originally I said, eh, you know, kids are settled in. Everybody's happy. And uh, he threw out a figure and I said, send me a plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so. So if I if I'm rolling in there, I okay. I reach out to you. I'm like, Hey, I'd love to come to your class. What is like, what's the process for like the beginners? And then as you get up there, how does training cage?
1: Well, we, we have a pretty diverse group. Uh, and the dojo that I teach at um, uh, Northwest martial arts uh, studio, we have karate, Aikido, Jiu Jitsu, um, Aikijitsu uh, and people come in and they, they want to, get a, a understanding of a little bit of everything, and then they pick. And they say, but uh, I, I, I'm really good at punching and kicking, so I'm going to veer towards that. Or I'm really good at groundwork and, you know, ground fighting or whatever, so I'm going to gravitate towards this. Uh, I, I think it's important to offer that cross-training to students, and that's what we do. Um, I have students that come in and say, I want to learn jiu-jitsu. I know nothing about it. Or they've said, I have a friend of mine that, you know, was your student or a student of Donson Roo or or Jitsu of some sort. And I want to learn what he learned. Uh, but we have, you know, all different levels from black belt all the way down to white belt. And we mix them in. And I always tell everybody, uh, as you progress, it's important to teach uh, and give it back because as you, as you go up to the next level, you can't just forget what you've learned and go on and progress to the next and the next and the next. You have to go backwards once in a while. And we do that with testing too. Uh, But most of the time when these guys come in and they get their first belt rank, they think, oh, good. Now I get to jump into my next belt rank. I say, no, you get to go back here and teach the other new guy that just came in after you and, and teach him what you've learned. And I think that's an important aspect in any martial arts is, is, you know, for me, I would forget this stuff if I don't do it on a regular basis. Um, it, it, there's a certain amount of instinctual stuff and certain things that are embedded in my head, but the techniques and the, you know, when you think about the uh, the science of the techniques and, and a lot of times we think of martial arts as a martial art and, and it's really not an art form to me. It's more of a science understanding of how the body works and how you know, if I punch you in the face, chances are I'm going to hurt my hand worse than you am going to hurt your face. But you right. can take and put a certain spot on your face, and hit that spot, and you're going to just buckle over. So it's more exacting blows, and it's more pressure points and nerve strikes, and you know different things to stop a fight. Um, so you know that that's that's pretty much all of it in a nutshell. Uh, so you know it, it, learning is one thing teaching is is how you continue to be able to to learn and 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 be a good teacher is to turn around and teach somebody else and continue Uh, to do that forever and ever
0: i love that so is there a a comment or like so okay say i have my first black belt is there a set time between you keep going up or is it just depend on the amount of time and training you put into it
1: yeah, uh, some people make their black belt faster than others. Some people are after the black belt itself rather than the knowledge, and you got to recognize that right away. And I kind of shy away from those people. Okay, uh, but I've had some really good skilled people, and people come in with a little bit of a knowledge, a little bit of knowledge from another martial art, uh, and they pick it up faster because they've learned how to learn martial arts. Um, so I'd say between. Four to five years, most people uh, will be able to get to the black belt. Uh, and then between first and second, uh, we usually give them a year to two years uh, in, in that belt rank. Uh, and then uh, between second and third, three. Between third and fourth, four. And then fifth degree on up, there's five years timing grade required. Uh, and then dedication or, or um, passing on the arts teaching, promulgating the uh, the uh, the system to other people uh, and giving back to the organization.
0: If I'm doing my first degree black belt test, what does that entail? Is it like one on water or is it just me as an individual showing you guys what I've learned?
1: You know, I always tell all the students the test is a formality and it's an important formality and I usually do Several tests. I'll do a test one-on-one to make sure that they know what they're doing. And sometimes if they don't, we take a couple steps back because I, I I can honestly say I've never failed anyone. I What I do is I, I take them through a practice test and I'll get them to a certain point. And if they're stumbling a little bit, I, I'd say, let's go back and, and work this a little bit more and, and put off your test a little bit farther. So by the time they're ready to test, I've already I've already tested them. I know what they're capable of. I've seen them when they're not being tested and that's more important than when they're under the gun. It's not a test to see how well you take a test. A lot of people just aren't good in that kind of a situation. If I say, okay, I'm going to give you a test today. They're shaking in their boots. They can't remember their own name. But if we casually go out there and I'll say, Hey, remember this technique? And I throw a punch and it comes out perfect. Um, but if you say, okay, this is part of your test, and I throw that same punch, they're all nervous, and they're all anxiety-ridden because, oh, what if I, what if I fail? Um, so I, I pre-test them, and then I test them and make sure they're ready, and then we get a group of other black belts because I think it's important for them to be respected in the group. Uh, nothing worse than walking into a room full of black belts with a new black belt, everybody turns around and goes, "Who's this guy?" You know, I've never right. seen him before. I don't know if he deserves that black belt, and, and you know, that's it, it's a bad feeling. Uh, but if you, as you're training, I, I tell them mix in with black belts, go to these other organizations and events that we put on, and and get to know these people and let them get to know you, and then when you take your black belt test and you walk in with a black belt, they'll respect it.
0: It's kind of cool. I think for me, like I don't have like obviously black belts and stuff like that. But part of me would be like, man, I don't want to walk in here. Like I feel embarrassed because I don't. These people are all like, like pros at this or trained to be a pro. And so I I like how you kind of said that, talking about, hey, we're all learning from each other. I can Mm -hmm. be the beginner. I can learn from you. You can learn from me. I kind of. Going go to a dojo or a place like yours would be, I think, is so beneficial. Just for the mental kind of – for me, I'd be like, ah, man, I don't want to be in here. These people rolling around, throwing each other like matchsticks. But the fact that I can go in there and kind of learn and maybe be a teacher, like I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, Donson Ru Jiu-Jitsu, um, you know, I've had a lot of different martial arts in my life. Um, I think Don's Jiu-Jitsu is, is one of the most practical martial arts that I've ever experienced in my life, and not just for tough guys. It's for women, and, you know, uh, uh, the whole idea is that you're learning skills that are going to work on somebody that's bigger, more powerful, more uh, s- stronger, and, and uh, you know, you're still able to do these techniques. I can take a little kid or a, a small person, and have them go against somebody that's twice their size and be effective, as opposed to you know having somebody that just you know you're not strong enough to beat me, kind of thing. Um, so it's it's uh, well rounded and, and very good uh, application for for men, women, kids, everybody.
0: Well, it works. I've seen Chris use it numerous times, and uh, yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. So how much more law? Lo- how much more do you have to give to this? The dance that rue. As you obviously, you're still inspired to be a teacher, but at some point, you must be kind of be like, "Let the." How do you have you reached that point yet, or getting close to it?
1: Oh my goodness! I'm the young guy in the group. I tell you, um, my heroes are, are the guys that stayed in this until the day they died. I love. I remember that. Wally J was one of the guys that I, I used to love to be a zuki. You get twisted up and tossed <laughs> around, and but but you know he was. In his late 80s, early 90s, and he was still out on the mat doing demonstrations, and he'd take two, three, four guys, multiple attacks, and he would just put throw them around the room like there was nothing. And it was because he learned how to refine the techniques down to a level of you don't have to be fast. You don't have to be strong. You just have to know where those points are, and, and he could control anybody and everybody. And And it was just fascinating for me to watch him. And as I get older, I respect these guys that are that are in their 70s, 80s, 90s, still working out, still doing this stuff. And they will till the day I die, till the day they die. And I'll do it till the day I die.
0: I love that. Well, you're only 50. So you got some time.
1: I wish I was still 50, but <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> uh, I want to say thank you uh, for this today, Professor. I it's so awesome to learn from individuals like yourself and I wish you all the best. And hopefully when COVID kind of clears up, wherever Chris and I are going to head out there to uh, check on you. He says he wants to put on the, uh, his old gaze, if it still fits.
1: Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, give me a call when, when you guys are ready. We'll, we'll uh, come down to the dojo and we'll, we'll do it up. <laughs> I
0: love it. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Thank you. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes.